0: fucking morning, evening, afternoon, wherever you're tuning in. My name's Floss and this is my podcast, Exactly, and I'm so glad that you're here to join me today. Exactly podcast is a permission slip to follow your curiosity and ask all the hard questions, the sexy questions, the silly questions. I feel like we should have all had access to this information when we were in school, things that we shouldn't have had to learn the hard way through life experience because these are the things that people want swept under the rug. Talking about things like sex, social justice, feminism, anti-racism, transphobia, homophobia, even talking about your desires these days is seen as taboo. And I just want to talk to the people that are at the forefront of all of these conversations And my guest today is fucking exceptional in this area. I can't wait to tell you who it is. She's incredible. She's such an inspiration just for being entirely herself and showing that to the world. So today's guest is the wonderful Poppy J. She's the co-host of the podcast, Brown Girls Do It Too. I'm just going to tell you to listen to this fucking podcast. It's absolutely hilarious. It goes deeper than probably conversations I've even had with my very close and trusted friends. She does it with her co-host Rubina and they they talk a lot about sex, they talk a lot about intimacy, love, desire, romance absolutely everything under sun that you could possibly imagine it's so hilarious it had me writing in my notes app lots of different things i want to try also poppy has had people send in messages from their 10 years long marriage saying that she and her co-host rubina have improved their sex life just by talking about oral sex and rim jobs it's incredible brown girls do it too highly recommend you listen to it after this episode Poppy had an arranged marriage at 19 to her cousin and got divorced at 25. And she says that the podcast has helped her shed some shame, make light of the situation and encourage other people to be open and honest about their experiences as well. The podcast is hilarious, it's so frank, and just hearing two women talk about sex in such an open way is just fucking incredible. I love the podcast so much, and I can't wait to talk to her today. She's gonna help us answer all of your questions about sex. I'm really excited to see what you have to ask us. Poppy will also be doing a stage show of her podcast, Brown Girls Do It Too this year, so you can see it all in the flesh, and we've put details for the show in the description of the podcast if you wanna go ahead and check it out. I'm so excited to chat to her today, I can't fucking wait. Okay, Poppy. <laughs> thank you so much for coming to my podcast exactly. How are you today? I uh, like you am quite cold. Yeah. We're
1: freezing. both in our Snug coats. As a bug. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm not I'm not taking this off. <laughs> um, thank you so much for having me. Your studio is amazing. Oh, of course.
0: Thank you for so much. I've got much a land very in. similar to that. No, in my, my flat house. is filled with them. We try to like recreate my apartment vibes in here. No, I so, love it. Yeah. I love it. So before we get into the main part of the interview today, I'm gonna ask you my quick fire questions, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. What's one thing that sets your soul on fire?
1: Peanut butter, crunchy. Okay. Just, mm. I lose my shit.
0: Okay, gorgeous. Yeah.
1: All the time, every time.
0: Okay, next question. What's the last photo you took?
1: On the way here, I took a photo of a shop. I zoomed in. Wait, I can't and, see the. And, mic's and, and, I, and, I, and I sent it to my sister, and I said, "Can you guess where I am?" <laughs> and she said, "Croydon." And I said, "No." <laughs> This is the very this is a shop from my old neighborhood that I grew up in.
0: Oh wow. And it was the
1: very first shop I went to. My mum this place this, this specifically this, shop, or- this place specifically my mum gave me 17p to buy something from the shops or maybe like 15. p What did you get like a little Fredo Well or I had, I had to get um, I had to get her some coriander cuz I'm Eurasian. And I got M&Ms. <laughs> And I was, I think I was it's six. 17 I think I was seven or my sister was five. And it was so momentous. I felt like <laughs> I was adulting. The responsibility. And I got M&Ms and I gave my mum the change back. And i we were so proud of ourselves. <laughs> and my sister just sent a really like disheartening, oh, okay. And I was like,
0: Doesn't mean that much to you.
1: you, (laughs) Sorry, it wasn't naughty or filthy, but that's just something from my childhood. That's
0: gorgeous. I love it. Okay, on to the next question. What's something that people frequently misunderstand or get wrong about you?
1: Um, People usually hate me when they first meet me. Oh, not me. No, you're you're obviously a good reader of people, slash me. But um, yeah, my common misconception is that I'm uh, loud, obnoxious, annoying and a gobshite. And they're all true. uh, (laughs) But usually I am better than that.
0: Why do you think people think that? And have you had anyone outwardly say that or is that? The vibe that's felt. No, like people have said of-
1: that. Rubina, my co-host, who's a very good friend of mine, uh, said has said that. that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do a podcast in there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, a common misconception. But I'm comf- quietly confident that people in time will learn to love me. So
0: okay, and finish the last question. Finish the sentence. I'm still a work in progress when it comes to procrastinating. Okay. Anything specifically? Oh my everything. god,
1: life, everything. I, my, my mind is constantly wearing, and I'm never doing the thing that I'm meant to be doing, and I'm sort of skirting around it and doing five other other yeah, things. And then nothing I, gets fucking done. And nothing gets done, and no. I've been doing it my whole life. So I really do. I think I'll probably just die procrastinating, spinning
0: all the plates. She'll die spinning all the plates. Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is brown girls do it too? And what do you talk about on the show?
1: So, Brown Girls Do It Too, Rubina usually always does this bit. So, so Brown Girls Do It Too is about the sex capades of uh, now, well, originally three brown girls, now two brown girls. And I think through the prism of sex, Mm. we have, over the course of three series, touched on pretty much everything, what it's like to be a brown girl growing up in Britain, mm. our sexual identity, our relationship with our families, our parents, our daddy issues, mm-hmm. um, our relationship with other brown women. Um, and so I think we kind of through sex and through relationships, we pretty much talk about everything and no stone is left un. Turned.
0: I said that in the intro, in the intro to the podcast today, about your podcast, Brown Girls Do It Too. I said that it's stuff I wouldn't, e- haven't even had these conversations with my friends, and I think I'm so open with them. Yeah. But hearing like it's stuff that you and Rubina have said on the show, it's like wow. And I could even tell that it was a lot for you, as you're saying. Yeah, it, you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh wow. Honestly, Laura, it's like sometimes <laughs> when I listen to the anal episode, I was like, oh, that's just too much. <laughs> Why? Why did I say that? It's just too much. We always go too far. <laughs>
0: So we're now going to move into the listener questions. Um, Here's the first one from Anonymous. I'm turning 26 in February and I still haven't had sex. I'm not ashamed, but I can find it so hard to tell people about this. I'm so worried about anybody seeing my body, though, for the first time. I've been single all my life and I'm quite afraid. Well, thank you so much for being so open and candid. Mm, The thing about I'm so worried about anybody seeing my body, though... This is still a fear for for a lot of people, even if you've had sex. It's about showing a new person your body. It's still, Mm -hmm. if you have that insecurity or you have that fear of being exposed so deeply, because sex is so exposing, of course Mm. it is, whether or not you've had sex before, I think. yeah. It can be.
1: I mean, there's so many things to unpack in that one text message. Firstly... Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've got friends who still have sex with the lights off because they can't, yes. and they could be geriatric millennials like me or Gen Z. Doesn't matter. Mm. It's it's so entrenched. I definitely now have still have a sense of body. The sex dysmorphia. with the lights
0: off thing—that's such a real thing. And you know, this person's
1: 26. I sort of think back to myself at 26, maybe sort of 25, 24. Certainly, I just come out of a horrible divorce, and I was at my lowest. And I just kind of closed myself off to the world and to men and to dating. If I could go back in time to that 24-year-old poppy, I would hug her. Mm. I would tell her that it's actually okay and no one really cares about your body except you focus on yourself first and then everything will come into play yeah and I think to this person here I don't think that you need to tell anyone that you're a virgin it's your it's your business Mm -hmm. it sounds like what they're worried about is their body and it's I suppose looking into yourself and asking yourself what is it about your body that you find yeah deeply shameful or that you hate maybe you need to talk to a therapist or see someone or it's quite difficult because I know we're bombarded with images on what we should look like yeah but I think it really does take time and it starts from you and you sort of loving yourself slowly but surely yeah
0: I think it's definitely a journey that could start privately if you're feeling insecure about your body and then you put it out into the world to have sex with someone while feeling extremely insecure Absolutely. about it it can really shake your sense of self mm. and change your self esteem yeah. but if you go out with a strong sense of self no matter how that person reacts you Absolutely. will still fucking know your worth whatever your size however you look what like, body image whatever the fuck is going on yeah. you can own that and be like that's cool. You're just not for me. So okay. I had to really like who I was and before going back out into dating, but also just know that you're not going to be perfect. So you're, you're never going to go into that space of completely loving your body. And you will date people who, through their eyes, you can see how beautiful you are mm. because they will tell you or they'll affirm you or they, they, they will see and verbally express how fucking sexy they yeah. feel that you are. So there's also that there's this anxiety part of the brain that goes well, fuck, what if someone completely shatters my self-esteem? And there's the other part of it where someone can help you see how beautiful you are Mm because they can be your mirror and they can show you through their own lens. Self-love is so important. And I also don't think we can do it without other people, with our friends even. Like your friends are in your life because they love you. They don't give a fuck about how beautiful or how sexy you are. They're there because they love you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's about finding worth in other areas of your life apart from your body as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, And I would say to this person... Self-love is number one. This is something I've realized is that mm. people actually, and men, women, however you date, confidence is the sexiest thing you can mm. wear. Yeah. And I am now, I've come out of a 10-year relationship and I'm now dating 24-year-olds. I'm dating men who are more, like, more than a decade younger than me. Mm. And I, I have, whether Iconic. I've got... I, I know. <laughs> I, even, I, even I look at my dating profile, I'm like, you're such wow. a G. <laughs> you're such a G, Poppy. But... That confidence <laughs> took 10 years for me to get that confidence. Okay, and now yeah. I can have a giant hairy muff, hair under my pits. I just yeah. don't give a fuck because I'm like, <laughs> we are going to fuck. We're going to have a great time. Yes. But it takes time. And men, they're just like, oh my gosh, she's got so much confidence. So I say, I would say to this l- listener, mm. you have to love yourself first. Because if you go out there and you're riddled with insecurities, and it's fine, we all are, but mm. you project it onto someone else, they can smell that yeah. and they might take advantage, right? Yes. You need to walk in there for, for Flouncing your hair around, being like, (laughs) I'm a G and and, and, and I'm going to own it. But that in itself is a journey.
0: Okay, on to the next question. This is a voice note from
2: Ellis. Hi, Florence. My question is, what do you do when your partner doesn't want to have sex and you do? And it's taking an incredible toll on your mental health. I've never been in this situation before. I'm six months into my relationship. Um, They have a full-time job. They paint in the afternoons until late night. They're working at a bar. I've communicated this to them many times that it's hard for me, that I, I don't need sex every day, but I would like it a couple times a week. I feel a lot of shame saying this to them and They respond pretty well to it, except they never actually make the time to have sex with me. There's just a lot of excuses. And they'll do other things for me out of guilt, like clean my apartment, which I never even asked for, but they won't have sex with me. (sighs) What do you do when you have perfect communication, you feel, but no changes are being made?
0: Oh my God, Ellis. Thank you so much for sending that in. My heart's breaking for you because... It's that line, isn't it, Poppy, Mm. of wanting sex completely understanding consent and you would never want your partner to force themselves to have sex with you. But then I guess the frustration lies in that realisation of, oh, you just, you don't want to. You don't want to and you can't. I've been in a situation before where every single time it's because I was stressed and I was so in my head Mm. that the idea of having to be present, fully present, because I have to be fully present for sex. I've had non-present sex and it's made me feel like shit. So... From my perspective, I can see how someone could be in that position of loving you so much and not wanting sex. However, you have a need that's not being met and Mm. that need is so... Important to you, and I think if it gets to the point where this is a recurring theme, I think you you said you've brought it up, Ellis, to your partner, and that every time they've they've overcompensated with doing chores or cleaning your apartment and doing all of this stuff, your need still isn't being met. But the first thing that also came to my mind was if this is uh, if you're not having any sex with a person, and they are ignoring the fact that you want sex, there could be something else going on. And, but it's not fair that you don't know and that there's no clarity mm. there for you.
1: So I don't know how old Ellis is, but there are certain things that she said that gave away lots of red flags to me. Mm. Now, six months in is quite early in my mind to be having this kind of conversation about no sex. Yeah. The fact that it's all important to Ellis, but not perhaps a priority for them. And obviously we don't know them. And and much like you and me, when I'm having sex, I need to be present. Yeah. And it sounds like they've got a full on job. They've got lots of, you know, they've got a job in the morning, job in the evening. And I think the fact that Ellis has told them and they are cleaning the apartment out of guilt, not really talking to her about what the real issue is. Mm. I just want to ask Ellis, how many more times are you going to have this conversation with them? before they make a change, even if they do make a change. And I think that sooner or later, Mm. it won't be enough. Having a wonderful relationship where there's no sex
0: Mm. is
1: not going to be enough to sustain the relationship. Yeah, If it's coming up now in six months, you can continue as you are and it'll come up again in eight months and nine months unless... Something yeah. changes, so I'm not saying give them an ultimatum, but certainly say, look, I, I, yeah. it's not. I've I've asked How however many times, many times like yeah. and I would love for you to be honest with me and upfront, like. Is there another issue? What, what what seems to be the problem? Maybe maybe they're asexual. Maybe they don't want to have sex. That's what I thought.
0: Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, yeah, right? Yeah. But but
1: she needs to know.
0: Again, you can understand to death the reasons why someone does what they're doing, whatever. But at the end of the day, if you're feeling hurt, if you're feeling rejected mm. by your partner over and over and over and over again, and it's the same issue coming up over and over again and it never really gets addressed then yeah how many more times you can have that conversation exactly. before you make a change
1: and uh, something ellis said in her voice note like she felt ashamed never ever feel ashamed for wanting sex i mean i can yeah. hear it in her in her voice in her tone i only want it three times a week you can want it 60 times a week you could want it seven times Someone a week give it you to can, you. it's like <laughs> it's absolutely fine yeah. to be able to own how much you want sex
0: it's mm. fine Hey, Naomi, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Yeah, I'm wonderful, thank you. So what did you want to ask us today? Okay, so my question is about casual sex and the day after.
3: So I consider consider myself to be a quite sexually liberated person. I love to go out, meet new people, and uh, I love sex. And I try to pick the right persons. But even though I do this, I can't help but always feeling a little bit I don't know, empty the day after. So I was just wondering, the, the question would be, um, what can you do if you want to continue having these fun new experiences, meeting new people, but avoiding to feel bad the day after?
0: Mm. I've um, definitely had experiences where I thought I was looking for casual sex, but what I was looking for was intimacy. And Mm. so if I had an encounter that was full of sex, but devoid of intimacy, just because two bodies are physically present doesn't mean there's any intimacy Mm. there. So that's why I felt empty was because what I was actually craving was something Mm. deeper. And I thought and had equated in my mind that two bodies, two women together, because I date women, um, was going to mean that I was going to have that and I was going to feel fully charged afterwards. I have had those sexual encounters, by the way, also. I've had casual sex where I've literally left with a fucking skip on my step the next day. And it's because there was something deeper present. It was filling a, an emotional need that, that I went in for, or I was going in just to have a fuck, and I left getting that fuck, and that's why I felt amazing. So my thing would be to ask yourself, what are you seeking when you go into this encounter? Yeah. And is that what you're taking away from it?
1: Yeah, when you are having these casual encounters, what what do you want? What do you seek out of them? Are you is it just the physical the, the kind of the physical motion of having sex or is it the intimacy? Not
3: just the physical, but like also the mental experience of meeting someone and going through with the experience. Mm. Um,
0: yeah, it's mm. so exciting. It's so exciting, isn't it? And is there any aftercare when you're with these men? Yeah, sometimes. And that's the strange part because that usually
3: doesn't matter.
0: Like, even if
3: it was with someone where there was aftercare and breakfast the day after and a sweet morning, even though that
1: existed, I felt the same. My friend basically is going through, was going through something very similar to you, that she was like, I think... I want this casual thing. And the dating and the butterflies and drinking and the sex is is exciting and exhilarating. But actually what she was really looking for was intimacy and for her, a relationship. And I said to her, look, if you are feeling a bit empty and she was feeling more empty than not empty, then maybe just for a small time, pause the dating yeah. Uh, or, and sort of figure out where you are in your head and your heart and then maybe go back into the dating with a, a slightly different mind, mm. you know, n- maybe not looking for something casual, maybe just one up from casual. So, you know, you see this guy or girl for a couple of dates for, or you know, for a bit longer as opposed to once or twice and then you move on to the next. Um, but I don't know how long you've been feeling like this. And maybe it's one of those things where you kind of have to go, go through it to, to really understand what it is that you're after and why you feel, why you feel this way,
3: I for, I think it's just chemical that I feel like. Yeah. Um, yes. Like if I'm really intimate with someone, I it's hard to just uh, be intimate and then let them go, or, or, even though I yeah. want them to go, or even though I like that's a normal process. Mm. So when I
0: first came out, I wanted to join hookup culture so badly because I felt that I'd missed out on so many years of dating and having sex with women. And I just, I went on so many dates. I had so many hookups and I left with a spring in my step, but there was always part of me that wanted something more. I was like, how can I spend this incredible evening with someone? And then it just dies because that's the contract, you know, the invisible contract of that's just what it was. I'm a romantic and that's something I learned through doing the hookups and realizing Mm. I do want something more than this. And it's okay to acknowledge that also. I think sometimes in like feminist discourse, there's this massive emphasis on Uh, women being able to have casual sex because for so long that's been the anti-narrative. And so with the the discourse of casual sex, it can almost feel like you have to do it to be an empowered woman. Mm. And if what you're looking for is some kind of like permission slip, that it's okay to want more and it's okay to want a relationship, it's okay to be an empowered woman and want a committed, monogamous, open, whatever relationship you want. That's okay also if there is a little bit inside of you that does want and crave that and you go do you know what fuck this I'm not built for casual sex I want to be able to sustain a relationship with someone that's okay too there's a lot happening these days but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time the Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now.
2: I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray.
0: And I'm Leah President.
2: And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what
3: you're going to say and I'll
2: circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. If you're
3: looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it.
0: Okay, so we have another question here from Anonymous. I'm a 22-year-old pansexual, and I have dated both men and women before. My first time was when I was 19 with a girl, but it was just her fingering me. Now when I get asked by my friends or at parties when my first time was, I'm always conflicted, as girl-on-girl sex is never really taken seriously, and I'm not sure whether I should count it. But I know that if I did the same with a man, it wouldn't be counted as sex. I always feel slight judgment when it comes to telling people about how I lost my virginity. What would you advise I do? And is it normal to feel like this? It's totally mm. normal to feel like this because penetrative sex with a penis in a yeah. vagina is like, we view it as like, if there's a hierarchy of sex. The Holy Grail of sex. the Holy Grail. Yeah, the holy grail. Yeah. And, um, you know, to take it a step further, it's like so many people have had horrible situations and they don't count them as their first time. Mm. Um, I think that it's within your right to count what is and isn't your first time and penetrative sex with a penis isn't the only way to have sex and also I just want to completely validate the way you're feeling. I also would feel the exact same way in your position. Mm. Like, well, I was just fingered. Can I even say that that counts as sex? Yes, because mm. it's gay sex. It's just gay sex. Um, you don't rec- you don't need to, like, fuck a girl with a strap on for it to have been your first time having mm. sex.
1: Society, is, it's totally entrenched in society to not count girl on girl anything as sex. And, of course, when mm. you say to any straight guy that you're bisexual or you're into women, they're just like, well... That's just like a layover really? into woman town before yeah. you get actually settled with the penis. Yeah. Um, so I would say to this listener, own the fact that the first time you lost your virginity was being fingered or fingering someone. Yeah, because because, like, because we with have that logic, change
0: the narrative because with that logic, lesbians who have never exactly. slept with men are all virgin. Exactly, virgins, they're all virgin, and
1: it's just not true. And and it's like,
0: and I know what it's.
1: I mean, I don't know, really know what it's like because I was not doing any of this stuff when I was 19. I was in a very different place, but like, we do have to try and change the narrative and it really does come back to confidence to this listener. Yes, you absolutely did lose your virginity um, To uh, and fingering is sex mm-hmm. and that's what you should own and you should say that to people and hold your head
0: yeah, high. Yeah, and I totally understand that within the heterosexual context, if a guy fingered you, you wouldn't say you lost your virginity because again, we put Penis, penetrative sex, yeah. like the top of the hierarchy yeah. of all of that. So, totally understand where you're coming from. But, like Poppy said, own it. Your first time was your first time was with a woman, and no one can take that away from you. You yeah. should you should start saying at parties, or or if you don't want to discuss your sex life at parties, that's also totally valid. You can just say mind your business. Okay, on to the next question. We have a voice note here.
3: I really struggle to communicate my needs all once when it comes to sex. I always have done, and it feels like I always will do. My current partner is incredibly understanding and makes me feel so comfortable, but I just still have such a hard time expressing myself in that kind of way. Do you have any tips for how I can start to get over this hurdle? Thank you so much.
0: Love you. Oh, hi, Immy. Thank you so much for sending in your voice note. Um, I feel like I've definitely struggled saying my needs and wants in the bedroom before as well. It came from a place of fear because of their reaction. Even if I know the person and I can trust the person, it's always been like a fear of their reaction. It's also vulnerability. So expressing how you Mm -hmm. want to be held. You want to be tossed on the bed. You got this fantasy. You want to try this. You want to try that. It's so vulnerable because you're letting someone into your deepest desires. And if you live in a culture, which most of us do, where you're taught to kind of suppress those desires and that those desires are wrong or shameful, um, that can be really complex, especially when it comes to the bedroom, because it's so vulnerable. You're naked with a person and you're opening up and sharing this thing. So I totally understand where you're coming from here. I would take little baby steps. Mm. So I would say, um, even if it's coming up with a word or a bodily cue, let's say, let's say, we you know, we talk about consent being verbal. Maybe you don't have the courage to say to someone, fuck me here, touch me here, because even the sound of your voice telling someone to do that gives you the ick of yourself. I know people who have experienced that. They can't say it. Maybe you come up with some bodily cues. They're like, when I pull you closer, I want you to start doing something else. I don't know. I feel like there are so many more bodily cues that you can come up with. Or you just say to the person um, that there's a thing called blanket consent, where you can say to a person, you... uh, Well, this is the opposite of what I was talking about with the verbal thing, but you can say to someone, you have my full consent to try things Mm. until I say stop. So if you don't want to go, can you try this or can you try that? Because I felt that sometimes sex can be, especially if the other person is really worried about overstepping boundaries, it could become a bit can I do this? Can I do this? Can I, and you just want someone to take over control. You just want someone to take control. You can say, you have my consent to do whatever you want until I say, can you stop that? Mm. So that could be another solution if you don't feel like yeah. you want to express something. Um, Amy, I was in a very similar
1: uh, situation to you. And sadly, I i mean, my ex-partner and I were finished for many reasons, but, but I suppose one of them was um, the fact that much like you, Floss, I couldn't say what i wanted Mm. it was the fear i felt a bit trapped and I just didn't say it. And I look back and it's, I just wish I'd said something mm. and I wish I'd just, and and you don't have to make it a big thing. You don't have to be like, we need to talk about our sex lives. It's exactly yes. like you said, it's baby steps, but mm. really baby steps, but active baby steps. So if you, Imi are like, I'm into a bit of rough foreplay or a little bit of light choking or mm. like you figuring out what it is that you want, because you're still figuring out your boundaries and yeah. what your, what your kinks are. Um, And it's taking, like, small baby steps in the bedroom. Because sometimes when you're like, can I do this? Can I do this? It kind of stops the rhythm. Then it gets awkward. Mm. Maybe the blanket, like, absolutely the blanket consent thing could be a way to go about it. Yeah,
0: if you're comfortable Um, saying stop or can we try something new? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then then maybe you're doing it like you're cooking dinner or maybe you're both in a really kind of happy, slightly tipsy but not too drunk place. (laughs) And you're like, you know, I want to... I've got a real treat for you in the bedroom. I don't know, some yeah, some kind yeah. of um, <laughs> ice breaking sex starter. But yeah. I, I I completely agree with you. I think I think looking back, I would have done baby steps and I probably would have done it in bed whilst we are undressing in that moment of passion being mm-hmm. like, I really want to try something.
2: Yeah. Can, can we,
1: hey, I really want to try this thing. Can we yeah, do it today? Yeah. And it's kind of... You're there as opposed to him reading an email and watching TV, and then you being like, "Can we talk?"
0: Yeah. Also, um, also, there are so many. Also, like sex card games that I've played before um, that are amazing that introduce you to different things, and you can like either wince at them and cringe at the cards together, or be like, "Actually, I would really like to try this." Yeah, that's a
1: really good way to and, do and it. Then, yeah. and, then, and
0: then you're um, offsetting. initiation to the card game yeah 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 you're like yeah you you know you're not going oh i want this you can be like maybe we should try bondage maybe we should try this
1: isn't it really fascinating though because so many people are unable to talk about what they want with their Mm. partner and myself included Hmm. and i have a fucking sex podcast yeah (laughs)
0: yeah it's insane do you think it's because a pattern has been set and so the second you want to for example you've been having uh classic missionary yeah, sex yeah, with your yeah, boyfriend yeah, for years yeah, and years yeah. and years. He's the dominant when you're yeah, supposed if yeah, you're not moving a lot, yeah. it's a bit boring for you, yeah. whatever. And you've got this idea that you want to dominate him. Yeah. Secondly, it, does that then cause a fear of them thinking, feeling rejected, oh my God, this whole time you wanted this. Is it, is it something to do with like changing a rift in that dynamic or is it not, nothing to do with that? I, I, I think it's just to do with the fact that
1: we are uh, our most intimate cells when we are naked Mm. and like rolling around together (laughs) that is the one time (laughs) of all the scenarios that you could ever be in where communication is key yeah and yet with consent with what we want our desires our inability Mm. to talk the fact that we get frozen it's the one time where we're like yeah just do me it's fine you know what i mean it's like I find it so fascinating. That's why I have so much respect for BDSM, which I'm slowly yeah, trying to get into, yeah. but baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> because they discuss and communicate. There are red lines. Everything is is spoken about. Because they That's have so much to. respect. And it's like I wish we'd taken that blueprint for like quote unquote missionary vanilla boring sex. Mm. Sorry I say boring, but you know what I mean. Yeah, In the confines yeah. of of, like of your what your bog standard. Your bog standard. <laughs> your bog standard bog Saturday Stanis. night. Um and 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 we don't and and i've i know so many friends colleagues people who are just kind of and myself included just completely the fear of saying it how do i say it how do i bring it up do they, would they see it as rejection mm. would they see it as i don't love them anymore yeah. or i'm looking for something else yeah. or your your mind kind of just goes down this spiral and but you
0: get answers yeah. Because if this is a life that you want to live in the bedroom that's a bit kinkier, mm, 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 mm. Um, then can you settle for something that isn't? And I yeah. think it will just reveal that just sometimes maybe we know that the person doesn't want to do that. Yeah. And so we're delaying knowing that they might never be able to give it to us. I, I And I think this is
1: what I did. I, I sort of, I didn't say anything and I sort of resented myself and I kind of got worked up and and it wasn't his fault no, at all. I just didn't say know. anything and I just projected my shit onto him Yeah, and I just didn't say it. So then you kind of go on for another however many months or possibly years yeah. where you're just like, it's all building up here and I don't know what to do
0: and I don't want to say and then affairs happen. Okay, on to the next question. This is a voice note from Tilly. Hi Floss, my question is about being a sexually submissive feminist. Um, As someone who's identified really strongly as a feminist, I find it really hard to deal with the fact sometimes that I um, like to be dominated in the bedroom, particularly by men, and I worry that maybe that isn't actually a product of my own desire, but a consequence of being programmed into believing I should be submissive to men. This is especially concerning to me because I do find that in queer relationships, I'm quite happy to switch. Thank you. Love you. Bye.
1: Oh, I love the self-awareness oh, as that well. That is so interesting. So me and Robina talk about this in the podcast. Um, I definitely am in alpha in uh, real life, in all aspects of my life. But in, in the bedroom, I'm definitely a sub like a sub sub i don't even want to switch
0: (laughs) my friends are like you're just fucking lazy and
1: i'm like well that could be true but i'm definitely two things can be true at once yeah exactly and so (laughs) that has without a shadow of a doubt come from uh consuming bollywood films from the 90s and growing up with men who basically would tell their wives what to do And, Mm. and 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 watching bollywood films where um men would dominate and that is a direct correlation of that yeah. There's no way that I can't.
0: And is there anything wrong with that? Also, it's it's like if that is the case, yeah, and that is genuinely your desire. It's 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 a cultural influence desire, yes. but it is your desire. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Then there's nothing wrong with that. I, I
1: don't see there's anything wrong with it. And no. yes, maybe if I grew up in a Scandi feminist at home, I'd <laughs> you know be the dom, but. As it so happens, I grew up in East London yeah. <laughs> on a council estate and I watched loads of Bollywood films where Shah yeah. Khan always rule Roost. And so that is the way it is. Yeah, I think it's incredible yeah. till he's very self-aware. And it's interesting. I'm bi-curious and I'm, I've dated a woman and I'm going to be dating more women. And I think it'll be interesting to see what role I take mm. when... I am in the bedroom. With yeah, a woman, because yeah. Because that is completely it, new to me. It's a
0: me. gender, also, also, gender roles come into play with men, I found. So there is that, it's almost like there's a there's pre script to the sex that yeah. I've had with men. Yeah. Whereas when you're with women, you're like, it's new. you're it's just a, blank a person yeah. Yeah, totally. who I'm fucking and I'm having sex with. Yeah. And I've, uh, my dynamic has changed depending on the type of woman I've been with, also. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it's really fun and it's it's I, I love that this person has a self-awareness to be able to look at that and go, oh wow. And I think again, I think you the we the reason you're probably worrying about it, Tilly, is because your sex life so uh fits with the standard of what mm, like patriarchy mm, wants of women, mm, which mm. is a sub role. Yeah. But if that's what you want, then switching into a dominant role with men would just be just as inauthentic as um a woman pretending to be a sub. But do you know what I mean? It's mm. it's like if you if you if you genuinely love to be submissive in the bedroom, then pretending to dominate a man because you want to be like the best feminist in the bedroom as you are on the streets and on Instagram or whatever, then you're just gonna be it's just another form of inauthenticity because you actually just wanna yeah. be a sub. But also I think if it's
1: something that's you find concerning, try switching it up. if mm. if, if you're if you're often a sub, try. Try being the dom, try something else. And if you're like, okay, this feels a bit icky, it's not really me. At least you can say you've tried it. But yeah, I mean, I get it. It's, it's a difficult one, but I, I, I've i I fully embraced it. It's happened now and I'm doing it consensually and I love it. <laughs> yes. And I come from it. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as I'm fucking coming, I don't give a shit what's going on. So that's my mantra. But I, I, yes. I, I would say, look, if, if it's still something that's bothering you, then next time you're having straight sex... Mm. Switch it up. Don't be sub. (laughs) Be the dom. Be the sub and the dom. Whatever. And see how you feel. Do it a few times because obviously it's not going to just happen from one sexual encounter. And then you might even find that actually now with straight guys, you're a bit of a madam.
0: Yeah. You know, you never know. Yeah, I love that. I want to end on that, what you said about you don't give a fuck as long as you're coming. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. It's perfect because, it, like I said also, it's just going to be so inauthentic if you try and be something you're not in the bedroom. It's going to feel like you're wearing... Too, yeah. too many different personalities, too many different hats. You've got the feminist discourse in your head yeah. and then you've got your actual desires wrestling with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Just let them come And no together. one's coming when you're fighting in your head. Do you no, know what I mean? no, exactly.
1: Because then you're like, I'm, I'm playing a role because I feel like I have to.
0: Yeah. Oh my God, I'm officially Poppy's number one fucking fan. How amazing was she? I loved everything she had to say and you can get so much more from her podcast, Brown Girls Do It Too. She's even more raw, honest and filthy over there. I'm completely fucking obsessed with her and I'm definitely going to be attending her show Brown Girls Do It Too in the summer. I think she said it's in May, so I can't wait for that. And thank you so much to all of you who sent in your questions for the call-in, for the voice notes. I love hearing from you. It's so amazing to just humanise our listeners at exactly and to be able to hear what you have to say and all the stuff that you care about as well because, you know, neither of us fucking experts, we're just talking from experience and sometimes it's just nice to share something with someone who's not in your friendship group also because it feels like a free um, space where people don't have preconceived ideas about you. And I love and honour and appreciate so much that you think that I'm a safe enough space to open up to. And if you want to hear more from Poppy on Instagram, you can find her at at Poppy underscore J underscore. That's J-A-Y underscore. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you again next week. If you've enjoyed listening, then please share this with your friends. To keep updated with all the latest episodes as and when they drop, you can follow exactly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget you can join me every week for Ask Floss where I answer all of your questions from how to be self-assured to exploring your sexuality. Whatever it is, you can ask me anything over there and I'll fucking answer it. I wanna give a massive thank you to the formidable Black Honey who composed the original theme music. You can find them on Instagram at, at @blackhoneyuk and check out their latest album written and directed. This is a something else in Sony Music Entertainment production. My producer is Millie Charles. Assistant producer is Ella McLeod. Executive producer is Carly Mayle. The production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And I want to give a special thanks to Chris Skinner, Jonathan Imiri, Ryan O'Meara, and Teddy Riley for additional production. And a big thanks to our engineers, Josh Gibbs and Gully Lawrence Tickle and mix engineer Jay Beal.